what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, joined as always by co-host and Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. What up, though? What up, Laker Nation? What's good? We got a special playoff edition of the STF podcast coming your way. Did AD figure it out? Is the three-point shooting still a concern? Does Vogel need to tweak his rotations? And can the defense hold up for the rest of this series? We're breaking that all down and more on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we do, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum. Also get all the latest and up-to-date content uh, on our website, theshowtimeforum.com. That's the, T-H-E, showtimeforum.com. Chaz, well, Chris. we're in it. We're in it now, man. It's a it's a series now, one one. Uh, playoffs. playoffs, as the great Jim Morris Senior would say. And if you don't know what you're what we're talking about, YouTube it. That's your homework assignment leading into Game Three. You know, Chaz. Last time we were talking, we were saying, "Hey, there's not a whole lot to worry." I mean, there's some things to worry about. This is the matchup that. Not a lot of people wanted to see because of just how well Portland was playing in, in the bubble. I mean, Damian Lillard has been the, uh, the bubble MVP. Dame Dalla has been a man on a mission. A lot of guys have stepped up around him. They got Yusuf Nurkic back healthy. He's looking like how he did a year ago before he suffered that gruesome injury. Gary Trent Jr. has been good. Melo's been good. McCollum, broken back and all. He's found a way to score 20-plus points on any given night. So... Uh, they came out with the momentum. Coming off that playing game victory over the Memphis Grizzlies, they slapped the Lakers in the mouth early. And I think the Lakers never quite responded. There were moments where they kind of got it going. It looked like at the end of the game, they were up six with, I think, seven minutes to go in that fourth quarter. Kyle Kuzma and the other, uh, the other guys coming off the bench started to get it going. Caruso, Markeith Morris. But it was just, it was very much a struggle. And the Lakers only scored 93 points against a team that was just, I mean, they've been awful defensively. If there's been one Achilles heel, it's been their defense. One of the worst defensive teams in the playoffs thus far. Yeah, no, exactly. So it was disappointing. And I, and the sky was clearly falling. I mean, the Lakers and the Bucks both fell in game one and neither of them looked good. And then come game two. They fought back, and they set the tone early on. Anthony Davis, who, I mean, if you just looked on the surface, if you didn't watch the game and you saw that Anthony Davis scored 28 points and had 11 rebounds, you would have said, hey, Davis was great in game one. Wrong. 8 of 24 from the field. So he scored 28 points, but it took him 24 shots to do it, and he was very inefficient in that game. 0 for 5 from downtown. Five missed free throws, so he accounted for pretty much half of the missed free throws in that game. And he just looked soft in that game, no question about it. And it's one of those, it's one of those uh, games where the, the, the stat line doesn't tell you the whole story. And Anthony Davis bounced back after all the criticism, all the critiques, all the questioning of whether or not the stage is too big for him. He came back. 31 points, 11 rebounds. Knocked down a bunch of threes. He was finishing around the rim, something he wasn't doing in game one. And you know what? When I saw that performance, I couldn't help but think that him and LeBron had a Mike Lowry, Marcus Burnett moment from uh, Bad Boys. Remember? When he's just like, that's how you drive. From now on, that's how you drive. You drive like that. That's right. 
forever. Do it just like this going forward. You can't go back to what you were doing in the first game. Put up great stacks, 28, 12, but your shooting was terrible. Not just your shooting, your shot selection. You're playing 15, 17, 20 feet from the basket the entire game. Mm-hmm. Not really getting the tip-ins, the, the energy and the effort plays that you normally come up with. Making the plays out of the double team and seeing the entire court, right? And and not making the right plays out of that double team. Waiting too, still even the, in the second game, even though he had a great game in the second game, still waiting too long to make his move out of the double team. Right. Like waiting for it to come instead of being decisive with what you want to do and already have a repertoire of moves that you can go to dip into that bag of yours to be able to put somebody on the block, spin, go baseline, fake middle, go baseline, opposite way, go baseline, fake middle, whatever the case may be. Right. But I, I'm looking for him to be able to step that up and take it to the next level. I want 38 and 14 next game. Honestly. Well, hopefully... I'm not worried about LeBron. No, I'm not I worried about LeBron. No, I I don't think at all. Yeah, and and the thing is AD's performance set the tone for the whole game and you know LeBron had a triple double and he was fantastic in game 1. I really thought he played as well of a well-rounded performance as you could ever ask for from a star player. A triple-double, I, I want to say it was his 24th all-time. He had 16 assists, and the Lakers be, basically became Brick City. They shot 15% from downtown, and somehow, some way, LeBron James had, what, 16 assists in that game. Unbelievable stuff. So in this game, in game two, he scored 10, and he wasn't efficient, 4 of 11, missed some shots around the rim, and I, I mean, I don't know if some of it is LeBron still not getting back to that peak conditioning that we saw back in March, or if maybe something's bothering him, or if it's just Portland's length, you know, uh, contesting enough of the shot where it's just falling out. I mean, we've seen the Lakers miss a bunch, and not just LeBron, but AD, McGee, everyone's kind of missed a lot around the nice. rim through these first uh, couple of games, but they pounded Portland. I mean, when I saw the score that it was at 33, I was just like, when did this happen? And they held uh, Portland, I think, to 88 points. And Portland had been dropping like 130, 125 throughout all of their games on the bubble. So they were they able to clamp. Yeah, I mean, they were able to really clamp down the defensively. And that's been the one positive aspect uh, about the, the Lakers through these first two games. And we're going to get back to the defense a little bit later on. But I wanted to talk about Anthony Davis because here's my concern. We've seen big performances already from him in the bubble. And we saw it after the the restart opener against the LA Clippers. What happened the next game against Toronto? 14 points. Did not play well. We saw a huge performance against the Utah Jazz in which they clinched the number one seed. What happened the next day against OKC? Granted, there was nothing to play for, quote-unquote. He didn't play well. He didn't or play the Indiana game. Yeah, the, the Indiana he game. He just forgot how to play basketball in general. Right. The Houston game where he's the biggest guy out there. He only put up, I think, 17, 17, point, points. 17 points. I mean, 10 rebounds. And it's like, yeah, okay, you could put up numbers, but where's the impact? I mean, there was that question mark with Kawhi Leonard after the game two loss for the Clippers. He had 35. And people on Twitter were saying that was like the emptiest 35-point performance we've ever seen from Kawhi Leonard. So it goes to show you that. In the playoffs, it is capable to put up numbers but not have a profound impact on the game. But that didn't happen in Game 2 for, for Anthony Davis. He had a profound impact in the game, and he was knocking down mid-range jumpers. He was knocking down threes. He was taking those big men out. 
uh, you know, Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside, because at this point, it's just going to be those two guys. There's no more Zach Collins. Gabriel's going to be playing spot minutes here and there. So Davis can take both of those guys. But like you said, Chaz, he's got to be quick. He's got to be assertive. He can't do this whole jab step, jab step, wait, wait. I mean, it's just not going to work. So the question I have is, can he bottle this up and bring it into game three on Saturday? I believe so. I, I believe so because now he has LeBron in his ear and he's already credited LeBron after that second uh, game, that the last game, he credited LeBron with being in his ear and giving him the motivation that he needs because he knows and trusts LeBron because LeBron has been there, obviously. Right. Uh, and there and back and then some compared to where Anthony Davis has been as far as postseason uh, rounds go. So I know that LeBron's in his ear to continue to motivate him and give, let him know, okay, now that we've tied it up, let's go ahead and take it up a notch and really take their will. When you're in a seven-game series like this in the playoffs, it's all about breaking the other team. If you can take their will, even before the series is over, you've technically already won the game. Right. Because at that point, you're just going through the motions in terms of what you've already practiced all year and what you've already ran as a team all year. So if you could take their will in this next game and blow them out, kind of like what Utah is doing to Denver right now, right. after a great first overtime game that they played on Monday, Wednesday, the Jazz brought it and blew them out. And today they brought it and, and really blew them out even even worse. So now Denver has to respond, and if they don't respond, then the series is over. They're done, Before yeah. they even get to game five. Yeah. So if the Lakers can do the same thing with the Portland and blow them out by 20 to 30 points again, like they have previously in the two road games that they had earlier this year, obviously the, the game right after Kobe died, um, I, I'm going to throw that one out because... And that game was still competitive. I mean, Portland was still, won, was, yeah, but the game was still competitive. competitive but yeah. you could just tell... The Lakers were just going through the motions and, and really right. just they were they were trying, but I mean, I mean, you're before the t- game even tips off, you're you're sitting there crying about Kobe and Gigi. So I mean, yeah. just as a human being, you just can't be all the way there, especially you know when your star players are as close to Kobe Bryant as they were. So um, with that game, I'll I'll throw that out. But specifically for Anthony Davis, it's all about him making decisive moves before the double team gets there, passing the ball decisively if the double team comes and also not allowing somebody like Whiteside or Nurkic or not Collins, obviously him not being out there, but even Mello or even CJ or Dame to move him off of his spot and force him to catch the ball 20 feet away from the basket. Even in this last game, he, that was still happening, mm-hmm. but he was making such great moves and decisive moves going baseline, spinning on Whiteside with the step back move that Phil Handy, obviously he's been working on him with it looked looked absolutely pure when he met, did that step back shot and LeBron was going crazy on the bench as well. But having those types of moves are great, but you can only be so effective when you're that far away from the basket, especially when you're seven feet tall. So I need him to be around the rim a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I know Vogel has encouraged him to shoot threes and take them as he needs when he's open in rhythm, whatever the case may be. This is still the playoffs I don't want to experiment a little bit more. I want him on the block a lot more. So I'm okay with it. Shoot your threes, but be aggressive and be efficient and take it up the next notch. And we can go for 38 and 14 next game and really take a stranglehold on this series and get some rest before we possibly face Houston because it looks like they're going to run OKC 
out of the building within the next three games as well. Yeah, and those are those are great points. And you know, obviously, with what's so special about Anthony Davis is that he really can do it all. He could score, he could shoot, he could post up. Uh, I mean, he could take you up off the dribble, he could rebound, he could block shots. I mean, he is about as complete of an NBA player, not just a big man, but just an NBA player. Period. As we have in the game, you know, and you see even on the nights where he's struggling offensively, you still see the defensive impact. But for whatever reason, Chaz, I spoke to you about this. There's still that element of there's just times where he's just too passive and not assertive enough. And and like I said, he reminds me so much of what we used to see from Pau Gasol and Lamar Odom, where these guys, when they're assertive, they are monsters. They are so difficult to contain. But the thing is, I think what kept those guys from getting to yeah, and Powell at one point in time was considered the best big man in the NBA. I mean, certainly skill wise, right? But still, there was that that there was that level they just never were able to get through consistently. And I think it's never about skills; it's about mindset. So you say to Anthony Davis, like, "What's going on through your mind?" Because yeah, we all know LeBron James could take over games. You know what I mean? We've seen it. We've seen it doing in the right. We've seen him do it in the regular season. We've seen him do it in the in the playoffs. We've seen him do it in the finals. LeBron James's record speaks for itself. But I, I think at this point too, LeBron James knows. I got to pay at 35 years old, 17 years in, nine finals appearances. I got to really pick and choose my spots of when I, I, I put that from second to third gear, you know, and start ramping it up. And then when I have to kind of drop it back a little bit because I got to contain my body till the middle of October because that's when we're still expecting to be playing basketball during that time. So during that time, it's up to Anthony Davis to assert himself. To be that guy and not ask for permission to do it. So I think that I think mindset is critical for Davis. You know, just because you did it for one game, great. Do it the next game and the game after that. And I'm not even saying put up 31 or anything like that. But whatever you do, just be assertive in doing that. You know, there are too many times where you're just you're not there. You're not and, there. You know, and, and it's and it's a learning process. It's a learning. Process. I get it. Kobe, Kobe didn't have it within his first, you know, real postseason action. Anthony Davis obviously has been in the postseason. He's been in there twice, two, but on two other on two other occasions. But, but the expectations he, are high. He never had. He never had a real chance. This is the first time he's had an actual chance mm-hmm. to get the Larry Ob Trophy. Yeah. So. Um, I think you're really going to see the blossoming of Anthony Davis in this postseason. He's really going to take it up a notch, in my in my opinion, because there's the playoffs are they're playing every other day. Yeah. So just like Paul George had tonight in the last game as well, you're going to have a game where you play bad, a day where the media talks mess, and then a, another game right after that to be able to to prove them wrong or back up what they're saying. Short so, memory. You have to have a short, short memory short, right now. Short memory. So. Yeah. Right now, we're singing Anthony Davis's praises, but we know how good he can be. Mm-hmm. If he takes it up a neck, the next notch, great. If not, and he, and he regresses back to what he was game one, not stats wise, but efficiency wise. If he's yeah. a minus twelve and shoots less than fifty percent from the or less than forty percent from the field and less than eighty percent from the line, and only has nine rebounds when he should average twelve to fourteen when you're playing thirty plus minutes in a playoff game. I mean. These are all things that I know that he knows, and we know that LeBron knows that he's 
going to be in his ear to talk to him about as well. So I have no worry whatsoever for this team. I was able to see how they're going to respond. And I know the playoffs is all about getting punched in the mouth. And I'm glad we got punched in the mouth right off the bat. Yeah, I think they needed that. Yeah, we were we needed that because we were three and five in the bubble and we're experimenting and we have Dion coming in and Guys sitting out. coming in and trying to reintegrate Marquise Morris and yeah. you know see see what our perimeter lineup is going to be. I will tell you one thing though. I will tell you one thing. LeBron didn't like that full court press from Gary Trent Jr. I'll tell you that. That was that if you're gonna sit here and act like it had no effect on LeBron's game, that's part of the reason. I'm not saying 100%, not even 50. Yeah. It's probably a good 20, 25% of the reason why LeBron only had 10 points. Maybe. LeBron didn't, LeBron didn't like that full-court press. Yeah, may, may, maybe At not. All. I mean, listen, very few people, very, uh, I mean, it was an interesting not strategy. Say, right, I don't want to cut you off, but not yeah. to say he can't handle it. Yeah. He just didn't like it. And well, he, it. but also too, Chaz, you, he probably wasn't prepared for that. Anyway, I mean, you got to think about that, too. There, there, there are going to be those times where you're just not prepared for certain things. I don't think the Lakers were prepared to see this guy Gabriel go out there and start a power forward in game one either. And Gabriel made a profound impact in the early minutes of that game one, um, you know, against Anthony Davis. I mean, he was, he was going after loose balls. And the Lakers, you could tell, they were expecting Zach Collins, who now is going to be out for the series. So this Portland team is on the ropes. Collins is now gone for, for the series. Uh, Damian Lillard has a dislocated finger. He's never had to play with a dislocated finger. Granted, it's on his offhand, but you know as a scorer or anything like that, that's going to still affect you as a shooter, as a ball handler, and just having to deal with the pain. I know Kobe's had to deal with that too, and there were times where I used to see him with that ring finger or the index finger. He'd be grimacing and ha- have his hand in a splint or whatnot. Gary uh, Beattie popping it back Gary in. Gary Beattie popping it back in, putting on a splint at halftime. I mean, that finger one time when they won the 2010 championship, it was like a robo oh. finger. So, um, oh, yeah, I mean, they're on the ropes right now. And I got to also think they're gassed. They, they looked gassed almost at the end of game one until they found that second win, they made a couple of threes and then all of a sudden everybody was pumped up and, and ready to close out that game. And that's exactly what they did. But now I think this series, Portland just kind of looks like, man, do we have enough at this point? We don't have Colin. So now, I mean, we weren't that deep to begin with, but now our best player is going to have a, a, a robo finger over here. He's going to have a splint on we lost a, a piece that thought could help us in this series, and we're gassed because we expended so much energy to get to this point. Do we have enough to knock these guys off, especially since they've given us all we could handle defensively, right? Everything. So, Everything. yeah. And we're going to get into defense. All you can handle defensively. Right. Exactly. All you can handle. But, and, but, then, and then some. And then some. And, and Portland's got to be thinking like, okay, we barely beat them in game one, and they shot 15% from downtown. They set a new franchise record with 14 threes, a franchise playoff record in game two. And we got, and they got to think it's just a matter of time before Danny Green and Kuzma and some of these other guys who are getting great looks really, in downtown yeah. start making those shots. And that's what I'm saying. Is the three-point shooting still a concern? Right now it, it obviously is because they're not shooting the three-point – they're not shooting the three – uh, with a with a tremendous amount of consistency, they haven't done it the entire time in the bubble. Despite getting good looks, that's the silver lining in this whole thing. It's like we're getting great looks, but we're missing. So, like, what's the problem here? You know what I mean? How do we fix this? 
Danny Green was still only one for six, I believe, from the three point line. I'm sorry, one for four. No, he was one for six. No, one for six. From, yeah. One for six. From and the, the field, one three one he made four. was not, yeah. it, it, it had no impact on the game. The Lakers had uh, already I mean, had it was, the game. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a momentum. It was momentum, but. It, but yeah, it was. You know it, what it I'm didn't saying. really sway the game. You're right. Yeah. You were already up. They, yeah. A, a, good, a good amount. The game of was already done. It was in hand K- already, yeah. KCP, though. Had a great game. We were, we were on his head after yeah. going 0 for 9. He shot four from six from three, five from eight overall. And 16 points, minutes. yeah. 16 points and was a plus 24 uh, with two rebounds as well. And let me uh, just say uh, this. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Chess. Let me just say this. I commend what both of those guys are doing defensively. And for any Laker yeah. fans that are saying, why are those guys out there? Defense. Defense. Yeah. Right now, those are your two best defensive guards. And I told you this before the series started, that the, the Lakers' best bet – in this series is going to defensively anyway is going to be Danny Green and KCP. But in order for them to really maximize their value, they're going to have to knock down some threes. But at yeah. this point, do you sacrifice the defense for the offense? So clearly, Frank Vogel hasn't wanted to do that yet because those guys are still playing significant minutes, even exactly. despite struggling from the floor. Go ahead. I'm I sorry. Mean, Car- Caruso was a plus eleven and only had three points. And made one three from the corner in 17 minutes. But how are you a plus 11 if you're if you're only making one shot out of the four that you take? You're only shooting 25. percent right. That's because you're stopping people. You're staying in front of people. You're not letting people cut you off and, and, and go back door on you. You're not getting boxed out. You're not out of position all of the time. And that's what KCP and Danny Green and Caruso have done a, a great job with. If they could just shoot average, we only shot 37 percent in this last game from mm-hmm. three point range. We're shooting 27% for the entire series. Why? Because we shot 15% in the first game, only five for 32 from, from, from the three-point line. So if we can at least just shoot average 35 to 37% and continue to play the same exact defense that we have right. and Anthony Davis be assertive the way that he has been in this last game, we haven't even really seen playoff run yet. No, Mind we you. haven't. We haven't seen 35 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, in 38, 39 minutes. We haven't seen playoff run just yet. And I think that we will in the second round. Why? I said this on the postgame show. It's when the families get there. Once Savannah and his kids and Bronnie and Zuri and Bryce and maybe his mom and a couple of his friends, right? Yeah. Every, everybody. Get Nav, get Nav every, and Rich in there and those guys. Right. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Rich can be there because he's, he's an agent. Agents aren't allowed in the bubble. But does he classify as a longtime friend under the parameters that the NBA has set out in the last few? Okay, here's the no. thing: he we'll could be see. in LeBron's room. He just can't be in Anthony Davis's room. Yeah, I, guess. <laughs> I don't. I don't really. Know. I don't really know how, how that's going to work. I, I don't really care. But I, I know that once, and LeBron even tell you this: once he gets his family there and he's in a routine a little bit more, right? Yeah. I think that that'll help a lot. But overall, I'm not worried about him. We've seen what he can do. He's going to be there. We're worried about all the other guys because, again, this is just the first round. Sure. Portland plays no defense. Mm-hmm. All we have to do is continue to be assertive. And they're going to continue and, to pack the paint on yes. Davis and James. So what does that mean? That means that the guys are going to get open looks, but you got to, But what's the catch-22 with open looks? You got to make them. You got to I'm gonna make need, them. I'm going to need Kuzma to play. I keep saying this. I'm I'm so tired of saying it. I just I need Kuzma to play more than thirty minutes. I don't care if it was a blowout. Why is Kuzma only playing twenty one minutes? This, this has been a story all year, though, Chaz. It, all year, I'm so tired of it, though. Right? Like, 
play this guy more than 30 minutes, let him get in a groove so that way he's carrying it over to the next game. It's very important that we close the Blazers out in five games. I said Lakers in five before the series started. I knew the Blazers are going to have at least one of these games where Dame goes off. Dame hasn't even really gone off like that. But but we don't know if he will. We don't know if he will at this point. Here's the thing with Dame. Can, Can I just tell you one thing about Dame, just to get off topic just for a sec? No disrespect to him. Look at okay. Look at the last two exits he's had. What are the what, what are the two things they have in common? Are you going to skip Bayless on us? No, I'm just going to say this. He got swept in 2018 by AD Rondo, Drew Holiday, and the rest of the New Orleans Pelicans in 2018 in the first round. By the way, they were a three seed that year. Everyone thought it was Portland's year to cha- challenge Golden State. Davis and company put that to bed quick. Look at last year against the Golden State Warriors. They were up double digits three out of the four games. And what happened? Dame faded. And Grant, and I give a lot of credit to Andre Iguodala, the, the great defense that they played, but Dame does have a tendency to fade at times. Not much, but I have seen it enough. And maybe this team is wired differently. Maybe Dame is tired of getting bullied around in the postseason and tired of exiting earlier than he thinks he should. But I'm telling you right now, between the the amount of energy that he has put out there just to get his team to this point, now a dislocated finger, a a defensive-minded backcourt and a defensive-minded coaching staff that is going to continue to put pressure on him, I'm telling you right now, he may go off one of these next three to four games, maybe twice, but I think that's a reach. But I think if if you're the Lakers, this is right where you want them. You know, it's, and it's, it's I, I, I don't think we're going to see a 60 point or even a 50 point Damian Lillard performance at this point. No. I, I don't see that. I don't no, see that. No. I don't think the Lakers are going to allow that to happen. No, and I don't no, think no. his finger is going to allow that to happen either. No, 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 not, not with the, the great scheme that we have put into place. It, the first game we were doing it just for, just for Damian Lillard, mm-hmm. where we were uh, trapping on the wings, on the high wings. Um, Anthony Davis just he was so late on every perimeter rotation that Melo and Gary Trent Jr. and even Dame Lillard when he hit that forty foot three because they're not respecting the distance. Yeah, these are all these, those all those threes that I just named were all in Anthony Davis's face because yeah. he was late on the rotation. I remember. But yeah. as a result, um, Vogel has has put in a scheme in the second game where they're trapping and they're doubling off the wings at the hash <clears> high right up when they crossover half court and it doesn't matter who it is whether it's dame cj mellow gary trayton jr whoever it is it's whoever that person is that is bringing up the ball and then they're rotating based off of that um as long as they continue to have that defensive mentality i have no no issues no worries uh about that but i have seen there's no excuses though at the same time for dame like you said does he fade in my opinion did he? Yes, but that was more great Warriors than yeah. bad Dame, in or, my, in my opinion. Or, or great because Pelicans, of course. No, I'm not saying those series losses are on Dame. I'm just saying Dame has a tendency to fade because so much is put on his shoulders. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, yeah, but, but, he, but he's also come up very, very huge as well. No and, doubt. Mm-hmm. The waving of the goodbye oh. to Westbrook and Paul George in last year's first round was amazing. And what he did against Denver and everything, I got the utmost respect to what him and C.J. McCollum have been able to do because people have been trying to break up that duo for a long time. And yet here they are, four or five years later, continuing to go to the playoffs, continuing to make strides and move forward and, and, and play at 
all-star, well, in Lillard's case, MVP caliber level. But I'm saying at this point, if you're the Lakers, you've got more depth, you've got more size. We haven't seen LeBron James go off yet. If AD continues to be consistent, and if these guys just, I'm not even saying they got to even shoot 40% from downtown. If they're shooting 35% from downtown, I'll live with that. And I think that could be enough to, for, for the Portland Wings to not pack the paint and to now say we got to you know, uh, stay connected with KCP, with Danny Green, with Kuzma, with Caruso, with Deion Waiters, whoever's out there. So, I mean, for the Lakers, it really just comes down to three-point shooting. You know, listen, we all respect what Green and KCP are doing defensively. However, at the same point in time, you still got to make open shots. And that was, I mean, look back at the history of, of all these other teams that have won it. You've all needed guys to play both ways at certain points. The Spurs needed Bruce Bowen to hit those corner threes while he was Ding up Kobe Bryant. You know, Phoenix needed yeah. Raja Bell. Uh, the Lakers needed Rick Fox and Robert Ory to knock down those timely threes, in addition to be playing great defense against the other team's uh, best uh, uh, forwards and whatnot. So that's what it comes down to. And I get it. Legs get heavier. You're expending a lot of energy. But if this team is going to go anywhere and you want to be out there in crunch time, you got to make shots. You have got to make shots and alleviate LeBron and AD of carrying all of the load. No excuses for Dame because I saw what Steph Curry did with a dislocated finger to a Houston Rockets <laughs> team without Kevin Durant. So if we're going to talk about Damian Lillard in the same breath as Steph Curry and saying, oh, who's better just because Steph isn't playing right now? Obviously, in my opinion, Steph. But Dame has made the conversation a little bit more flammable, uh, if, I, if I could say that these days than it was last year uh, because we actually got to see Steph in the playoffs do what he did to James Harden and Chris Paul at the same time. So no excuses for him. Let's see how he performs. Obviously, he's going to be a bit compromised. I really hope Rondo is out there so that way he could test that finger. Yeah. Right? Speaking of fingers, yeah. And, and yeah, speaking of thumbs and fingers, right, in Rondo's case, I want to get him, even if it's just for 15 minutes, just bother game. Slap at his hand, you know, be that Patrick Beverly for us. You know, I, every team needs one. And, and right now, obviously, we don't have one. And, and Rondo is pretty much that for us, especially with Avery Bradley being out as, as far as a perimeter defender. We just need an irritant on the perimeter because right now we're not containing the guards as, as well as we could overall. Yes, we have a good defensive scheme. And yes, we've got, we played great defense thus far, but it can still be a little bit better. And if we do take it up at notch and we are a little bit better and have an extra guard in the rotation like Rondo yeah. to also orchestrate and not make it look so sloppy when LeBron is on the bench. Sure. I don't like running I don't like running our offense through Anthony Davis and having Anthony Davis start the offense by posting up you on the right. You need a guard block. to do that. You need you need exactly. a guard to orchestrate. I don't, yeah. I don't I don't I don't like that. So Yes, Rondo, Rondo has to play. I know he's listed as questionable tonight, um, but obviously by the time you guys hear this, hopefully we'll know if Rondo's playing. He's questionable. He's the only player on the injury report outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron James that are probable with you know right knee and right mm-hmm. groin um, soreness is what it says. Well, those guys are going to play. Come on. But obviously those guys are going to play. Yeah. And, and Rondo hopefully at least gets 15 minutes out there to get some legs under him get some playoff experience, get right. some experience with some new guys that he hasn't played with yet, and Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith. And, and, and you wonder, yeah, and, and yeah, you wonder and, and how much, 
Right, of course. And that's a great point. And, and the thing is with Rondo is, and I've said this before, it's like, how much of an impact did he really have offensively considering that the Lakers with the healthy Rondo were still in the bottom third of the NBA in, in offensive efficiency when LeBron was on the bench? So I was questioning that. But then all, you also got to think, playoff Rondo is a thing. I mean, we've seen yeah. it. Boston. The, I, I saw this guy against LeBron James's Cleveland Cavaliers in 2010. Dropped 29 points, 13 assists, 17 rebounds. Was that the year his elbow bent backwards? When no, Wayne that was Wayne? the year after, 2011. Okay. Yeah, that was 2011. Um, and then, you know, a few years later with Chicago, I mean, the Bulls with Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade and Meritich and those guys, they took two games against a really good Celtics team. And then once Rondo got hurt and was out for the rest of the series, I think that was also a wrist or a finger issue. The, right. the Bulls lost four straight. And then, of course, yeah. we all know what he did in 2018. Oh, they would have won that series with Rondo. Oh, no Denver. doubt. They would have won that series. I don't know how far they would no have doubt. gotten in the postseason, but they would have at least gotten to the second round. Um, sure. And then and then you saw in 2018 the impact he had, him and Drew Holiday, what they did defensively against McCollum and, and Lillard, and what AD did against Nurkic. I mean, they, they were the worst possible matchup for Portland. That was a 3-6 matchup, and they just they decimated them in four games. They, I mean, they brought out the brooms quick. So yeah. we all know what Rondo can do in the playoffs. When, this, when the lights are brightest, when the stage is set, he's going to come out to play. He's going to be an irritant defensively. He is going to you know, knock down a couple of shots, but mostly he is going to put the ball right where guys want it. He is going to manufacture put, baskets. Manufacture baskets. He's going to be the table setter. He's going to be the you table know, setter. And I yes. love the leadership he brings. He's constantly, you could hear his voice. And especially now with no fans, you're definitely going to hear that little high-pitched squeal that he's got going, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> no, but you're going you're, you're gonna, to you're gonna hear that. And he's, and he's tough, you know. And for a lot of these guys, for, for the Carusos, for the Kuzmas, this is, this is a new experience for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I think to have a guy out there with that second unit, it's going to be going to be very important, which leads us to what does Frank Vogel do with these rotations? Especially, you know, we, we everybody wanted to see more Deion Waiters, more J.R. Smith after KCP and Danny Green were, I mean, got awful offensively in game one. And we did see, you know, more of Waiters and Smith and whatnot. I mean, these are streaky guys. They're not, they don't make the, the best decisions in, in the world. They're not the greatest defenders, but they can get rolling offensively. And I said it before, those guys have the potential to win you a playoff game because of how streaky they can get. You know, So now you add Rondo into that equation. What does that mean for rotations? You know, What does that mean for guys' minutes, even a guy like Alex Caruso? So I think that it's obvious that Rondo at this point is going to eat Deion Waiters minutes that he would have had. It's pretty obvious at this point. Yeah. Because because J.R. Smith came in the game before Deion did. When when they both didn't play in game one, but they both did play in this last game, game two. But J.R. Smith came in first and, and J.R. Smith played 22 minutes and Deion only had fi- had 15. Right? So you, you would like to think that those 15 minutes are probably going to go to Rondo and Waiters isn't going to really get that much time if, if any at all well you only um, played in one like, minute in game one without rondo so i mean right. it's, it, uh, unless unless when he does gets in he hits shots and takes minutes away from jr smith but rondo's going to be in there regardless just for it just if lebron isn't in the game and even if he is in the game as long as anthony davis is in the game for the, that connection that they have um with one another so yeah overall the rotation i, I will say something as well i was calling for javel mcgee to come out of the starting lineup I was. 
and for Kuzma to be inserted into the starting lineup because I believe that the benefit that you get from not only playing Kuz 30 minutes plus, but starting Kuz. When you start Kuz, you get a different kind of player out of him, a more aggressive player, a little bit more focused player. I, whatever, For whatever reason, he may not want to admit that, but that's just what it is. The, the, the stats say that. And my eyes tell me that as well. So I'd like to see Kuzma get 30-plus minutes in every playoff game for the rest of the season. And I was calling for him to start. But I will say this. JaVale McGee has had the most efficient – he's been the most efficient player on the Lakers through these first two games. Well, especially and, in game and, two, and, yeah. And efficiency, especially in game two. Yeah. Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee have shown up in a very big way. Yeah. Dwight Howard, as long as he can keep his mind right and Stay not out of foul trouble. Yeah, not even foul trouble, but getting flustered with not getting the calls because obviously these days Dwight's just from a different era than a lot of these guys or a lot of these bigs that are in the NBA now. So they're flopping all over the place. Any kind of little bit of contact, they're they're easily moving around, and <laughs> and, and the refs are just calling it. And, and obviously Dwight doesn't get the benefit of, of the doubt at all. So if he could just lock in up here and, and stay in the game, I don't care about foul trouble because we have enough bigs to use those fouls to be able to have the versatility yeah. that we have. So overall, I I have to come off my position. JaVale is going to continue to, to start. I like what he's doing. Kuzma just needs to play 30-plus minutes. Rondo gets back. He's going to take Waiters' minutes. And if Waiters and JR do get in the game, they got to make the most of it and hit those shots. But Danny Green and KCP and Caruso defensively, top-notch. Continue doing what you're doing, but just, damn, knock down some open shots, please. KCP, you're good. But Caruso and, and Danny Green, we don't pay you $15 million to miss open shots in the playoffs. Time to make open shots. Let's go. Yeah, of course. And, uh, okay, I, I want to get to the, the big men in just a sec. Let me just say one thing about Danny Green, though. If, if any of you recall, Chaz, I watched Toronto's run pretty closely last year. And you know what? You want to know what a common denominator was? Danny Green, did not, fin- <laughs> Danny Green did not finish a lot of those games. Nick Nurse put a lineup out there with Lowry, Van Vliet, Kawhi, obviously, and any combination of a Norman Powell, Pascal Siakam, and Serge Ibaka. You know what I mean? So depending on the matchup, sometimes you'd go small backcourt with Kawhi at the four and Powell in there to get the most spacing possible, and then, of course, Siakam in that hybrid center position. Danny Green was not in there. Why? Danny Green was missing a lot of shots. Danny Green, I think last year, shot 32% from downtown throughout the playoff run in 28 minutes a game. He had, I think, two or three really standout performances throughout the entire postseason run, including the finals. You know, oh, and one of those... Really good. He was really good in the finals, and I believe... Uh, not good. the whole finals. He had, he had, like, maybe one or two good games. I think in that game six, where they actually closed it out when Clay Thompson's knee gave out... That might have been his best performance, and I think didn't he shoot forty five percent from three from the season? Though? In the season, I'm talking postseason only, my friend. Postseason okay. only, okay. there was a significant drop off. So I'm just saying, Danny Green struggling in the playoffs kind of is a continuation of what we saw last year. And I just wanted people to uh, to to understand that that you know I don't know if this is age or you know the fact that he's taking on more responsibility defensively or not, but the fact is. This guy is a proven shooter. He's a two-time champion. He's played on the biggest stages against, 
you know, that, you know, LeBron's heat and the Oklahoma City Thunder with the three-headed monster, he's seen it all. He's seen it all. So there's still no excuse, but I'm just saying this isn't new to me. This isn't new to me. Anyway, going back to McGee, I loved what I saw from him. Not so much in game one, a lot more in game two. When you get McGee involved offensively early on, get him some dunks, get, get him the ball early on, I notice he is a lot more engaged, a lot more active, rebounding and blocking shots, and he just seems to be a lot more focused and makes a lot more better decisions. Dwight's been great. I love what Dwight's bringing to the table, and not just the rebounding and the block shots, but also the toughness, the intensity that he's bringing. I think that's also setting a tone for the second unit, along with the toughness and experience of Markeith Morris, Kuzma, yeah, and, um, and Alex Caruso as well. So I like what they've done, actually. They just need to make more shots. And now with Rondo coming back into the fold, what are we going to see? Are we going to see Rondo with Caruso, Keith, Kuzma, and Dwight all out there at the same time? Probably not. I think at this point, Vogel is going to have either Anthony Davis and or LeBron James out there at all times. That's really what it comes down to. There was a, there was a time where, and I'm, he called a timeout shortly, but there was about, I don't know, 30 seconds before the Vogel called the timeout when which Anthony Davis nor LeBron was in the game in game two and I was freaking out. Yeah. I was actually live tweeting on our Showtime Forum pod our Showtime Forum platform along with many others. I saw that a couple of the tweets come out, but he called timeout shortly after and, and got Anthony Davis in the game. Um yeah. but th- there should be no point in this entire postseason unless one of them are hurt that one of those guys, LeBron or A D are not in the game. But I'm I'm proud of the defensive effort that the guys have shown thus far, as long as they continue to have the right mindset take open shots, make open shots, shoot average, continue to play the same defense as you have, and LeBron is going to be LeBron. This series should be over within the next three games. And you know what? Another thing people are talking about, and I want to comment on this, is AD at the five. He should be playing the five the whole game. I don't really think that's necessary. I don't want to see Anthony Davis getting physically pounded by a Whiteside or a Nurkic the entire game. I think the way they're – and plus – McGeehan and Howard are doing enough to earn their spots out there. So why are you going to expose Anthony Davis like that? You know what I mean? Second quarter a little bit. Fourth qu- what? Just don't start him at the no, five. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. He, you want to finish him at the five. integrated throughout the game as the five. Chaz. finishing as the five. Just not started. That's all. Chaz, I mean, we've been seeing this for years now where, I mean, I, I remember a time where Dennis Rodman finished a game at the five spot. I mean, it, this has been going on for years where, you know, teams tend to go with their best five, not exactly their starting five, and they usually go with a lineup that gives them more versatility so they could switch out on pick and rolls, gives them more spacing for, um, you know, for, for their star players to operate. You're going to go with a smaller lineup that could space the floor, knock down shots, better defensively, etc. Now, if you want to explore AD at the five, assuming the Lakers get out of the first round and the Rockets are waiting there for, for them in the semis, then you can cross that bridge because why? Houston doesn't really have anyone that's going to bang with Anthony Davis. You know, uh, I mean, P.J. Tucker is it. And even P.J. Tucker, I mean, has given up about six, seven inches to Anthony Davis. So I, I don't think he would mind as much. But in a series like this where you're going up against Nurkic and Whiteside, I think you have to be more selective uh, when putting him at the five spot. So let me ask you a question. Don't, not looking ahead, but obviously if the Lakers win this series – they're likely playing Houston right. or OKC, but probably Houston. Probably Houston, yeah. Up 2-0. Do you start JaVale or still? I say you – okay, here, seven here, game series my, suge- just, my suggestion is this. Start JaVale and see what 
see how you could exploit the inside first and see how JaVale does on the screen and roll. Because JaVale's going to have to guard somebody. Who's he going to guard? Tucker? Covington? Jeff Green? I mean, no, Jeff Green's coming Daniel up off the bench. Daniel House? Yeah, Daniel House. <laughs> McGee's going to have to cover somebody. So I would say start JaVale for the first three, four minutes, see how it works, and then from there, if that's not working, then you go with, you know, that's where a guy like Markeith Morris and Kyle Kuzma are really going to pay dividends because now you could really go small and be able to still match up. Markeith Morris can go chase around Daniel House or Jeff Green or Covington or P.J. Tucker, and, and Kuzma could do that as well. So, I mean, let's not worry about Houston now, but I'm saying in a series like that where your opponent's mostly going to be playing small and you don't have to worry about A.D. getting worn down um, physically because he's not going to have to be banging with the big bodies, then that's something to explore. But I think people are taking this AD at the five thing a little bit too serious. Like they're, they're taking it to the next level. Listen, when AD's out there, no matter who's covering him, he's just got to exploit the matchup. When Whiteside is, is out there on you, take him out of the paint. When Nurkic is on you, get down in the low block. But whatever you do, like you were saying, Jazz, be quick, be decisive, be assertive. That's it. That's all you got to do. None of this. You're not Shaquille O'Neal holding the ball out like here, waiting for the offense to develop. Unfortunately, AD, you got a lot those of strengths. That's over. not that's not your strength. Yeah, you, well, yeah, those and, days are over, but that's not your strength. Yeah, exactly. Both. That's not your strength, and those days are over. We yeah, are exactly. More pick and 20, roll. Twenty years ago. More pick and roll with LeBron James. More pick and roll with Kuzma or Caruso or some or now even Rondo with Rondo coming back. That would be great to see. So. Those are the things. As far as Vogel's rotations, yeah, I would like to see more Kyle Kuzma out there. I still think Kyle Kuzma could pay dividends defensively. So if Green and KCP or Caruso are getting worn down, I would throw Kuzma at one of those guys, McCollum or, or Dame Lillard. So I think that's another bag, you know, another trick in the bag for Vogel to consider using because Kyle Kuzma's had success guarding opposing point guards. Last thing before we move on to defense and close out the pod, has Kyle Kuzma ever started a game this season with LeBron and AD in the starting lineup at the same time? Um, no. Uh, I no. did when Bradley, when Bradley was out those 12 games, he didn't start any of them. No, I guess not. Okay. It was, I, it was just case. It was, it was KCP. Case, KCP, Danny Green, JaVale McGee, LeBron, AD. So Frank, the answer, Frank the loves answer what those no. guys bring defensively. I understand that, but why yeah. not even try it one time? One time. You played how many games this year, this season so far? 60, 65, plus the eight seeding games. 73 plus games. Plus three scrimmage games, plus these two playoff games. I mean, 80 games. one time. Yeah. One time. Please. Yeah, but you know what, though? Frank Frank likes what KCP and Green bring together. He likes the fact that, you know, those guys could swap each other out on pick and roll. And I just think there's still that element of inexperience and youth that I don't think Frank likes – about you know just of who uh, of who Kuzma is as a player, the fact that he's young and inexperienced, I got to think that still factors into it. Whereas a guy like KCP and Danny Green, well, especially Green, more battle tested, and those guys have proven to to be a lot more committed to the defensive end than Kuzma has. Although Kyle Kuzma has been great defensively as well as shooting the basketball in the bubble. So, and Speaking he's embracing defense. the moments. Speaking of defense. Speaking of defense, yeah. Can this defense um, hold up? They've been tremendous. They held them to 100 points, uh, exactly 100 points. And obviously the game didn't end well, let's be honest, in game one. The game did not end well. The Lakers, just when it looked like 
They were starting to turn a corner. Portland rattled off eight straight points quickly. I want to say they rattled off eight straight points in like 45 seconds. I mean, Lillard, McCollum, and then, of course, Mello and Gary Trent late. Um, There were a lot of breakdowns by the Lakers. You could just see that they got flustered at the end of the game and just weren't prepared for that. But in game two, they cleaned it up, and they set the tone early on. Uh, Can this defense sustain for the rest of this series? I hope so. I hope so. Um, I think now the Lakers have got the winning feeling back, and more or less, they, I think they feel like themselves again. I think they feel how they felt back in February and March when they were starting to turn that corner and really becoming a, a contender. And I think now that that confidence is going, the fact that maybe their opponent's on the ropes, they smell blood in the water, I think that's going to give them even more motivation to go out and continue to attack Dame, continue to attack McCollum, Carmelo, all, all of those guys. But it's going to be tough because Portland's offense is capable of spreading you out. And I don't think Melo's going to shoot as poorly as he did in game two. I think Gary Trent's going to have a more profound impact on the game. I think McCollum's going to be better. So, I mean, we, we shall see. But I think with the Lakers, it's just going to come down to communication, making the right plays defensively, Staying attached to the shooters. And you know what? I also run them off the line. If they bury you from, from two, that's fine. Just don't let them get open looks from downtown. And if, and if they are going to shoot from downtown, make sure that somebody's getting a good contestant there. Great point. Will it hold up? Yes. You're damn right it's going to hold up because they're averaging, they're holding Portland to under 100 points for the series so far, albeit only two games yeah. at 94 points. Uh, for the series for Portland that the Lakers are holding them to. If they continue that pace, but can, but also continue the offensive pace that they're on as of last game, scoring more than 100 points, they'll win the series. Mm-hmm. It's simple it's simple math. Basketball is a very, very, very simple game. It's just when you convolute things and you bring in so many different politics and procedures and rotations and all of these other different things is when, is when the game gets convoluted, but it's just very simple. Put the ball in the basket, stop the other team from putting the ball in the basket, play your best guys, make your free throws, make open shots when you have them, and stop the other team. You, if we continue to do what we did last game, we'll win the series in five, we'll get a little bit of rest, and we can gear up for Houston because, like I said, that'll more than likely be the second-round matchup. But we can't look ahead. It's very important that we lock in not only on Saturday tonight, as well as Monday. If we do that and take their will in these next two games, it's over. And I'm going to keep it as simple as that. Let me just say this, too. You want to know who my X Factor is defensively? It's not DG. It's not KCP. It's not Caruso. It's not AD. It's not even the bigs. It's LeBron James. It's LeBron. Oh, oh, okay. It's LeBron James, and I'll tell you why. There were a couple of moments in game two after he missed a shot and then after he didn't get a call. Didn't get back. Did not get back. And who was this guy? Gary Trent Jr. And Gary Trent knocked Open down a three. three. And I'm LeBron's not looking at Dwight like he's... Uh, yes. if, if LeBron wants to ro- roam defensively in a half-court set, that's fine. You want to kind of sag off Melo a little bit because Melo's not the greatest three-point shooter in the world and give help where help is needed for the Trents and the McCollums and, the, and obviously Dame Lillard, that's fine. But when you don't get, when your guy is Gary Trent, when you're calling him out and saying I got him, and you don't get back defensively, and you compromise the Laker defense, 
And those guys love the transition three, obviously, or the semi-transition three. That's inexcusable right there. So LeBron James has got to be a little bit more committed defensively. And I understand picking and choosing your spots. I get that. But you, you have to get back as well. And I hope that Vogel and Kidd and the rest of the coaching staff, when they did a film session on Friday, I hope that they pointed they that out. So, you know, because we all know yeah, when LeBron James wants to lock in defensively, we saw it in the restart opener against the Clippers and even in the final game, he's capable of doing that. He can match up with Kawhi and Paul George. We've seen him lock Easily. in on that end of the floor. He's great at the rundown blocks and transition. But there are those times where he's late getting back. And it's like the last thing you want to do is not get out to a shooter who's, by the way, been shooting the ball great in Gary Trent Jr., shooting with a lot of confidence. Uh, I think he's in his second year out of Duke or something like that, second or third year. Uh, He's been fantastic. And uh, the last thing you want to do is leave any of those guys open. Hell, I wouldn't want to leave Melo open either. But I certainly don't want to leave a guy who's been on fire and shooting the ball with a lot of confidence open. So I think if, if he continues to not take plays off like that, Lakers should be fine on, on that end of the floor. They'll be they'll be just fine. I'm, I have all the confidence in the world that they'll continue to play uh, great defense because Vogel is a defensive-minded coach. That's when when Vogel was brought in. That's one thing I knew. I said, okay, I, I know his Indiana teams. They played great defense. I was there game seven um, against the Heat in 2013, albeit they lost that game in seven games, and, and LeBron James went on yeah. to – face the Spurs in the finals and win his second championship, second straight championship that year. Um, I knew Indiana was good in defense. Obviously, the Orlando years that he had weren't the greatest because Orlando hasn't had a great team since 2009. The Lakers beat him in the finals. Yeah, absolutely. But I knew that Vogel was a defensive coach, and this was going – and that plus having Anthony Davis, we would be a solid defensive team. So we're going to hang our hat on defense. We're going to make open shots and not shoot great, but shoot average – and LeBron's going to step it up these next two games. We'll take the stranglehold, and this series should be over in five. If it t- if it extends to six or seven, I'll be honest. That's when I'm going to start to worry because in basketball, professional basketball, anything can happen. So it can, it can, and and this is not your typical eight seed. You know, I, I've told you this analogy. This year's Portland Trailblazers remind me of what the Washington Nationals were in last year's uh, MLB postseason, and what happened. They ended up upsetting the Dodgers. Granted, that was in a five-game set. They had a dynamic pitching staff. Dodgers' bats went quiet. But, but my point is, these were not your typical – you know, usually you think of a wild-card team or an eight seed as what? A young team that had a great season that's playing, getting into the playoffs is the first time for the first time. Portland should have been a three or a four seed had they been healthy, had they had Nurkic all season long. Oh, easily. Had, had they had Carmelo Anthony – had they had Carmelo Anthony from the beginning, had Trent been doing what he did, had they traded for Ariza earlier, you know what I mean? We haven't even seen Trevor Ariza because he opted out. Same with Avery Bradley. So that's my point, that this is not your typical eight seed, which makes them even more dangerous. You know what I mean? So I think that's, yeah. that's something that people have to understand, that this opponent, and I'm just saying a doomsday scenario, if they were to knock out the Lakers, I don't think there should be the general... People will be shocked anyway, but once, you, once you've had time to decompress and figure out what the heck just happened, they'll realize we were going up against one of the elite guards of all time and a guy who, in my opinion, is the second coming to what Allen Iverson was. I mean, but LeBron James and Anthony Davis aren't James Harden and Chris Paul. They're not going to let Dane beat him, beat them with a dislocated finger like Harden and CP3 did 
let Steph, Steph Curry beat him with a dislocated located finger last year. Man, I had a hard time getting that out. I but still think overall, I still think yeah. legacies are on the line. This isn't just a championship. Legacies are on the line. And guess what Anthony Davis said when he was traded? What means more to you, money or legacy? Legacy. So you you chose legacy over money. You turned down the Supermax from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. You're here in L.A. You You're forced your way out a, of New Orleans. You forced your way out of New Orleans, yeah. albeit the greatest things you've probably ever done because now you're in L.A. getting commercials. You're in movies. You're playing great basketball. You're playing with one of the greatest players of all time. And you're with one of the greatest, not just basketball franchises, but sports franchises of all time. And you're in the playoff for the first time in 70 years trying to bring a title back to L.A. And, and the first, for the first time in a decade in the year that we lost our icon Kobe. So yeah. it's very important. They know what this is about. I I hate to sound overly confident, but there's like literally not a zero, there's a zero percent part of me that believes that Portland's going to beat us three out of the next five games. No, the, the odds don't favor it, but you know what? I've I've learned watching this game and watching professional sports Respect your opponent and definitely respect this opponent who has been playing out of their minds since they got to, to the Orlando bubble. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Take it one game at a time. Look at what worked in game two. Try to duplicate that, especially on the defensive end. Try to make some more open shots. You're going to see LeBron James. He's going to find ways to make an impact, whether it's with scoring, passing, rebounding, Breaking down a defense, he's going to do it all. The question is, will Anthony Davis and, as Shaq likes to say, say the others, the others, uh, come through? Come through, you know what I mean? So that's really what it's going to come down to. But next game, Saturday night, it's going to be big. That's going to be really a deciding factor to see where this series is going to go. I still believe the Lakers get it in six. I still think Portland is going to find a way to gut out one more game. But I would not be surprised if the Lakers, especially if they win on Saturday night, end up saying, you know what, we figured some things out and we're get, now we start feeling like the team that we were back in March and we ramp it up from, you know, uh, like a car, from fifth to third in a matter of seconds, baby, and start peeling last out. Thing I'll say, last thing I'll say before we close it out, if the Lakers win this series in five, we are winning the championship. Mm. I'll tell you why. It's all about mentality. You, get, you come out for a series, you get punched in the mouth because mm-hmm. you just weren't prepared and because Portland was still riding that high they had just played two get two days before right. and beat or maybe three days before and beat Memphis to solidify their their spot last Saturday if the Lakers can bounce back after that first punch in the mouth mm-hmm. and win four straight on this Portland team that's been as hot as they are it's all about mentality and keeping your foot on the opponent's neck yeah. and if they can do that they'll win the championship because that sets the tone for the second round against Houston the Western Conference against the, likely the Clippers and the finals against Toronto or or Boston or Milwaukee, whichever those three make it as well. So it sets the right tone because the preseason has been indicative of the regular season this year and our regular season has been indicative of how we perform in the playoffs. And if we take this series seriously and we get it done in five as opposed to six or seven, that tells me everything we need to know as far as I'm concerned, tells Chaz everything Chaz needs to know about the Lakers and the rest of this postseason. And for me, it'll just be a formality, barring injury. Well said. 
Well said. And uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on the little injuries that the Lakers are having right now. And uh, hopefully AD, uh, his foot and everything is, is fine. Same with LeBron. And uh, we'll see what Rondo looks like, assuming he even plays in, in game three. Buddy, you won't. good stuff, man. That's going to about Great do stuff. it. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. That's going to about do it for us on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. Uh, Chaz, how, how can they follow you, man? Oh, you guys, you guys know where to follow me on Twitter, at Chaz Pearson, on Instagram, at Chaz underscore Jerron. What about you, Chris? Where, where can they follow you? You guys could always follow me on Twitter, at Chris underscore Camelo. I'm on Instagram, Camelo one Facebook, Camelo's Corner by Chris Camelo. Uh, be sure to download and subscribe to all of our podcasts on all major streaming platforms, Spotify, Google Play, uh, uh, what else out there, Stitcher, Spotify, any anything. So, And also, we got merch. I, sh- I should actually have that on a t-shirt. We got merch. Merch. Uh, can't Beat LA. CB-LA.com. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then also GoldenKnightGFX.com. If you have not – okay, first of all, you should also be following at Showtime Forum on Instagram and Twitter. But also, too, you should be going to these websites because I'm telling you, there oh, yeah. is some great oh, merchandise on there, man. Our, great our boy Aldell just, our, our just dropped the new hats today, actually. So go to cb-la.com and order the new hats, the new Can't Beat LA Lake Show tees from goldengfx.com. I mean there's a bunch of merch on there. Um, and merch that you probably are going to want to hold on to since the Lakers are likely going to win the championship. And you, you're probably going to want a shirt and say, oh, man, I want a shirt that signifies what that time was in my life in the bubble. <laughs> and who knows? This might be the only bubble that there probably ever is. It's going to be memorable, maybe, no doubt. Maybe, maybe not. But go get your merch. For sure. For sure. Now, that's uh, it's great stuff. And I'm, I'm about to buy some stuff as we speak. So take care, everybody. Lakers. Portland 1-1 heading into game three. We'll see what happens. But uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned to Chaz and Devon on the Laker postgame show. I'll be doing a halftime show tomorrow with one of our own uh, Jonathan Watson. This podcast will be up. We got so much Laker stuff, we don't even know what to do with it. But it's coming Come your way. Our ears. <laughs> Lakers in five, baby. Let's go. Enjoy the game. Be healthy and safe uh, this weekend. Take care, everybody.